0: We'll never end if we don't get started, that's for yeah, sure. Never. Okay. <laughs> all right, so we're starting uh, the review of yesterday's Tav <laughs> Tav we'll get to today's new Perek, Tav Chav Tes, and uh, we have a mind for Shalem, it's all who need it, Emei Bas Yehudas Basara, Rachalei Basara, and anyone else. So uh, we started with a fascinating, I don't know, to me it's it like, gives me chills this story, uh tells us about Rabbi Scharib and Akzab, who was a Kohen during the time of the destruction of the base of Migdosh. And uh, he swore that his wife did not leave his hand um, um, the entire time of the siege. And the rabbis uh, told him, <laughs> Sorry, but uh, that's very nice, but uh, you can't testify about yourself. This is your Negebedavar. So you are forbidden to your own wife. I mean, he had children with her and everything. And, the, story, and the, the continuation is is that uh, he, he didn't divorce her, he stayed married to her, and uh, he uh, had made a special uh, place in his courtyard for her, um, and, um, and he made sure never to be alone with her. Um, he ne- Never to be alone with her, uh, he said, uh, you know, like he made sure that uh, she uh, is the first one to leave, and uh, her kids always go in front of her, so that there was always somebody else there. Um, and, uh, so, in other words, we made sort of like a, a little bit of a dispensation for this for this rabbi that he's um, allowed to remain with somebody who he's prohibited to. That was that was basically meaning uh, in near in close in close proximity. That was the idea. So the question the Gemara wanted to, that's how it flowed into the next question. Wanted to know what about um, a divorcee? Do we have the same? Uh, leniencies for a divorcee that they could live in the same vicinity, and uh, we brought a, um, and maybe it's specially uh, a special dispensation because after all, it's a question of captivity. We're more lenient over there in general. So the Gemara brought a proof that when somebody divorces a wife, they're not even allowed to live in the same. If she remarries, she can't remarry and live in the same neighborhood. And the idea is is that uh, they know each other. Um, they know, they have like a, a, husband and wife can potentially create sort of like a secret language, they understand each other's hints, and therefore, um, you know, they may rekindle their relationship, and that is, obviously no, a the big problem, she remarried. Um, that being said, it's a, it's a, it's a different problem if, uh, he's a Kohen, and she, even if she did not remarry, it's the same, it, there's, there's, uh, also an issue. Um. And then they're not allowed to live in the same mavoi. Um, if it's a small village, that's the same thing as the shkuna, and they can't live uh, together. Anyway, the point being is, who is the, the next question that leads us to the next question? Who's the one that needs to pack out, a husband or the wife? So we brought a proof. The price says that she needs to leave because of him and not him from her. If, however, it is her courtyard, so then he's the one who needs to leave. And the Shaila is, what if the courtyard belongs to both of them? So the Gemara says, well, let's figure it out. What was the ratio talking about when it said that she is the one who needs to leave? If it's talking about where it's his courtyard, so of course she would need be the one to need to leave. If it's her courtyard, um, then the Allah is not true. He, he, she's not the one that needs to leave. He's the one who needs to leave. So it must be that it's all about a case where it belongs to both of them, and still she needs to leave. So the Bar says, not necessarily. Maybe it's a case of rental, where it's neither of theirs. Nobody has any ownership rights over here, but when they both have ownership rights, we don't maybe have the same thing. Anyway, what is the bottom line? The Gemara came with the proof that um, we uh, we brought a pasuk in Yeshaya indicating that, the, that uh, for a man to pick up and, and move from place to place is harder than a woman and uh, that and therefore um, she is the one who would leave. Now, Gemara um, um, said uh, for uh, other things that we need to do because of, uh, you know, so is the you know to, to to create a distance between formerly married a formerly married couple so um if uh he borrowed money from her from her from the estate that she brought into the the marriage so uh he doesn't go over to her house and pay her directly um but it, it's always done via a messenger okay um so, uh, not only that, even if they're coming to court cases to each other, we don't deal with them that way. Rabbi Papa says we will put them in uh, cherem, and Ravun Rabbi Brevi Yeshua says we would even give them lashes. Now, Rav Nachman said that we brought a source in, um, from Masechah Smachos that uh, th- there's a limitation on this. This is only true if they consummated the marriage, if it was a, if it was a Nisuin, but if it was from Erison, then they could pay to her directly, and that's because he does not have that familiarity with her. Um, we brought an example countering this, that there was a case of only betrothed, and they came before Ravah, and Rav Adbar Masa was there, and Ravah did m- make, require a... Messenger between the two of them. So Ravad Ramasa says, "How does that fit with what we learned from Rav Nachman?" And he said, "The difference is, is that I see their relationship; they're quite chummy, quite close with each other, and that's a problem. And we gotta, therefore, create a separation." Um, there's version B of the, of the story that it was Rav did not put a and Ravad Ramasa said, "Here got you got it And even though Rav Nachman said not, um, when I can see that very clearly that they are very comfortable with each other that's when it is a problem. Okay, next thing we talked about is a very interesting halacha. What, we, here's a, a list, in we're listing in the Mishnah um, uh, testimonies that a man can testify as an adult from what he saw as a child. Um, now, so the first thing is that uh, if he's recognizing his father's signature, or his rabbi's signature, or his brother's signature. Um uh, I remember at the wedding of so-and-so that she was dressed as a bride who is, for first-time marriage, who is a virgin. Um, uh, so-and-so came and left the school uh, to go to mikveh to eat truma. Uh, he, the so-and-so would get a share of truma at the granary. Um, this place is where the Beis HaPras went to, which is the area that was cordoned north for a question of tumah, and uh, this is where we would go till Tchum Shabbos, that you're allowed to travel out, outside the city, that's the limit, uh, but a person is not able to be believed. We don't trust a an adult saying about what happened as a child, if he's saying there was a path here that belonged, you know, he had a right of access over here, or uh, he used to set up, he set up a, a eulogy over here and a maimed over here, uh, belonging belonging to him, all those things, that, you know, that's, we don't accept that. Now, B'A'Volimah B'A'Volimah says that this uh, testimony for the recognizing the signature is only as a single a single source. We still need another adult. We don't have two kids proving it. We have one adult plus this um, adult who is remembering from when he's a child. That's going to work. And why do we have to talk about the three cases, the father, the rabbi, and the Brother, and the answer is is that the father he is very uh, he's by him a lot, so we would know it. Uh, but the rabbi he's not there that often. That, that, uh, but by the rabbi, there's a lot of awe for his teacher, um, and therefore maybe that's more of a factor. Uh, not which wouldn't apply to the father. And there you have at least each one has something special that the child would remember. But by a brother, you lack <laughs> both of those so um it 's still acceptable, and uh, what why is it acceptable that 's because we the rabbis trust them for rabbinic law, and the whole requirement to certify this the signatures on a document is only rabbinic in nature. A document stands on its own two feet minah torah with the two witnesses signed on it that 's good enough for the torah it 's the rabbi who said you know just as an extra measure let 's have these signatures verified, so for their requirements they were they were able to be. Flexible to allow for, you know, to make it more, you know, easy, even somebody who remembers from when he was a child, somebody's signature, that's good enough. Okay, uh, the next scenario was the case of the wedding, so uh, what's the reason why we believe him about that, and therefore she's going to require, um, if she, uh, you know, a ksuva of 200? So the answer is, is because Rob Nashem is anyway M'sulis Nisa, so he's just telling us something that is what we naturally would have assumed, and uh, it's just what we would call a gilu milsa. It's not a true testimony, and that's why it's acceptable. Next, we said is that uh, I remember him leaving yeshiva to go to mikva to eat Rumah. So, um, how do you know that that means that those kids are kohen? His friends are kohen. Maybe he's he was a slave of a kohen who also go, needs to eat was who's also in yeshiva. But this supports an idea, a very interesting idea that we do not send slaves. This is an Ebed Kanani. even children's uh, Ebed Kanani, even though they are obligated mitzvahs like women, but they don't send them off to cheder, to, to, uh, to primary uh, school with your children. Do they need to dip the, the slaves to them in the mikvah? Yeah. Slave, okay. So that's not a good reason. For slavery. For, for slavery. S- but not for, for Tuma, not that's what I'm asking. Oh Tuma. yeah, they would, of course. For Tuma too? Yeah. Okay. So, so that, that's why he could have been, but, except that he wouldn't okay. be in yeshiva in the first place. That's the okay. point. So that's that's, what, they say that you that's why write. he can't be it's right. More now, um, so the Gemara says, um, I, 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 is it true that a, a slave is not to be taught Torah? Uh, we brought an interesting uh, pricer that says that if, um, um, if, we, if we can show that this, uh, the master borrowed money from his slave... Or the master made the slave an executor of his estate, or, um, or um, he saw the slave put on tefillin in front of the master, or um, the the slave read three psukim um, in shul. All of those things does not mean that he is a freed person. Um, you know, maybe he shouldn't be doing those things. But the fact of the matter is, it's not a proof in and of itself. In and of itself. But you see he's able to be learned, isn't that? Um, I thought, so I, he's reading the Torah. So Mark explains that's maybe what the slave learned and picked up on his own. What we're talking about over here is that he is um, um, you know, acting like a child, you know, being sent as, a, as you would send the son to, to the primary school. That's what we don't do. Okay, so if you want to educate him, you know, like in a different way, that's a different story. But what we're talking about is educating the same as you would your child. That's what we're um, putting, saying, not okay. Next, we said to go to mikvah to eat truma, and therefore he's believed that's so. It's not a Torah level of believability. How does that work? The answer is no. It's only going to be able to eat truma to Rabbanon on the basis of such a testimony. And he also shared with us at the Granary... Taking a portion, couldn't he also be a slave of a coin? So this is mission. This mission is going like the opinion that we do not give out truma to an eved, um unless his master is with him, as the bryce says. Um, uh, that you know, in cholken truma leevet elim rabbi imo you don't give out a truma to a slave unless his master is with him. That's the sheet of rabbi Yudha. and rabbi Yossi says he can uh, say if. Um, if I'm a Kohen, then give me for myself, and uh, if I'm a slave of a Kohen, uh, give me as a slave of a coin. Meaning, Rabbi Yossi doesn't have a pro- does not have a problem when you think for you to give a slave at the granary. So what comes out from this is is that according to Rabbi Yehuda, um, anybody who comes into the granary is automatically elevated to the status of a coin, and according to uh, Rabbi Yossi, not. And that's brought us to an a interesting circumstance that happened because of this. Rabbi Allah, he says, I was always careful not to testify. One time I did testify, and it really was a big mess up because I. Uh, what happened was he testified about somebody that he received uh, trauma at the granary, Uh, but the place that he testified was in Rabbi Yossi's community, which uh, does not indicate anything, and he testified in a community where it does mean something, and they were going to make him into a Kohen when he was really only a slave. Now, um, Hashem protects those who, um, you know, he protects an animal of a tzaddik, he's going to protect the tzaddik from something bad actually happening, but, uh, so it didn't actually happen, but it almost happened, and uh, that's the the story. Took us to the next thing, we talked about the Pesach Pras, the reason is because that's also only rabbinic in nature. There isn't a Torah law to cordon off that large of an area just because that we found a um, a, a buried body uh, somewhere in that field, and um, and that's and and we see number of leniencies regarding that. reviewed the said, "Name Shmuel, you can use the bellows over the surface dirt to make sure that there's no bone fragment, and then walk." Even in this property, uh, you know, that's a leniency indicating that it's rabbinic in nature. And Rav Yudha Barami said the name of Rav Yudah that uh, it, once it's been, you know, stamped on, um, you know, trampled upon, so then it automatically becomes tor because it's going to be crushed or whatever, and we don't worry about it. So again, the fact that we have all these leniencies clearly indicates that a rabbinic in nature. Now we said that this, this is where we would travel to on Shabbos. That's where the tchum ends. This is going with the opinion that tchumin is only rabbinic in nature. And uh, he's not believed to say that uh, this is where we, we had, so-and-so had a path to, you know, uh, you know a, rite, a rite of passage over here, or we did a, we did a hespit over here, um, and that's because that's taking money from somebody, and you can't do that um, on the basis of testimony <laughs> from when he was a child. And we brought a b'risa saying the same halacha that, um, but a little bit different. He says, I remember my father told me this family's Torah, this family's Tamei. We believe him. Um, Torah and Tamei, what is a very unusual term? It means, no, a kosher family or apostle, uh, uh, there's an invalidity in the family. That's, and we ate at the ktsatsa of the daughter of so-and-so to so-and-so. What does that mean? We'll get to in the end of the Gemara. Uh, we used to bring chalim atanos to this um that's only believed if he is the one who was the delivery boy, not somebody else, and um, that's only true by a Jewish child, but a, a or, but a, a gentile who's converted subsequently, or a slave who was freed subsequently. We they, we don't, they don't have that believability, um, and also not uh, we don't say that there was a path to so um, 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 that there was a path. Uh, to so-and-so, you know, this place, like, again, like we saw earlier, Rabbi Yochim Mabroka Mm -hmm. says that there are beliefs. So what is that referring to? So Gemara explains that's going on the case of, uh, not the last case, because that's taking money away, and we're not going to do that on the basis of what he saw as a child. But on the first thing, which we said that a, a Gentile is going to testify after his conversion about what he saw as a Gentile, um, or a slave, the same thing. That yeah, Rabbi ben does trust him. So what's the dispute? The dispute is: um, so do we say that once he, since he was when he was a gentile, he doesn't really pay such good attention to understand? He doesn't understand the difference. So he, uh, he's not. He doesn't even really understand what he was seeing. And according to Rabbi Yochanan the fact that he has intention to convert, that's enough. Now, what was the story of the tzatzah? So this is very, also a very scary idea. There's a case where a family, um, one member of the family did something, married outside, uh, uh, someone who is not appropriate for him to marry, and uh, basically um, the family would do something drastic. They would take a big barrel filled with fruit, and they would break it in the middle of the road. And they would call all the people and the, and and say everyone should listen. Um, someone, one of our brother, you know, our family member, went and married somebody he shouldn't have, and we're afraid that anyone might mix into the families. Everyone should take some of this fruit of that was in this barrel or whatever. It's like a dried fruit, and that will be a sign that you know not to not to marry into that family. And that was like a very. Uh, whatever, a shocking type of experience. And that's one of the things that we trust the child to testify about. And that was the end of the second chapter. All right.